listening to the best of Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Be sure to catch our show live every Sunday on 1370 AM Austin. For information, archives, and upcoming presentations, visit our website at www.livingwealthyradio.com. What if there was a place where your hard-earned cash could grow safely and sanely without being pilfered by bankers, Wall Street, tax collectors, or other persons of dubious character? A place where you could say no to the motion sickness-inducing ups and downs of the stock market. Where you didn't have to grovel on your hands and knees every time you wanted to borrow money from some tight-fisted banker who collects all your private data and then turns you down. Such a world sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, it isn't. All you need to do is call toll-free right now and ask for your Living Wealthy Financial Information Packet. It costs nothing and it will tell you exactly what you need to do to chart a more prosperous financial course and take back what belongs to you. So, do it. Call right now. 1-800-382-0830 That's 1-800-382-0830 Or, visit our website at www.livingwealthyfinancial.com You'll be glad you did. Sunday, Austin. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn. Good afternoon. You are listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard every Sunday at noon here on Talk Radio 1370 AM, streaming live at talk1370.com. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Are you an addict? Has addiction ruined your life or the lives of those close to you? If you answered yes, I want you to think about that time. Did the government ever help you through your addiction? Did they help you cope with the recovery of a loved one? Did you know that the government spends over $51 billion plus per year on the war on drugs? arresting over 1.5 million in 2012 for non-violent drug charges. Do you think this is helping the problem or hurting the ones we care most about? How can we get to the root of this problem? Is it more government control or medicine or rehab facilities? Or is the problem just way too complex for the powers that be to contain? Dr. Bruce Alexander We'll talk to you today about the issue, what causes it, what he believes is the surprising solution. He's got a very different way of looking at addiction than most of us here. You will learn what you can do to take back control and conquer your addiction or help someone close to you that is suffering. Dr. Alexander is a psychologist and Professor Emeritus, who has taught and conducted research on the psychology of addiction at Simon Fraser University since 1970. He is the author of The Globalization of Addiction, a Study in Poverty of the Spirit. Doctor, the name of your book, the title of your book, is so different, A Study in Poverty of the Spirit. Can you explain well, how you I, came I, up with that title? <laughs> 
Well, I, I first want to say that I'm, I'm noticing that that title goes very well with the title of your radio show. Um, I mean, you're, you want to talk about living wealthy, and I want to talk about um, poverty of the spirit as being where addiction comes from. And I, I think those two ideas go together very closely. So the, the idea came to me because I, I've worked with addicts forever, you know, since <laughs> 1970, but before that as well. And, um, you know, the, one thing that addicted people uh, have in common is, is, is what I like to call poverty of the spirit. In other words, they're, they're sad people, they're lonely people, they're dislocated people. Uh, they've got lots of problems prior to becoming addicted and in addition to being addicted. And and these problems do seem like a kind of, of poverty. I, I think the word is 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 a very good one. I And, and actually, I, I took the book title from the Sermon on the Mount. Because when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, mm. because theirs is the kingdom of heaven, what, exactly what does that mean? Um... I could go further with that if you like. Please do. Well, well, the the poor and the, they're blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, they're going to have a a kingdom later on, a, a kingdom meaning just a country, a place, a place where they where you know where they belong. But the idea is they don't have a a kingdom or a country or a place where they belong here now. So, they, so, so Jesus is, is is blessing them because they have this terrible need. Well, I think that goes very, very well with addiction, as I have learned to understand it. Do you think there were addicts during Jesus' time? Oh, yeah, there were. Um, the, there were. Um, there was lots of alcoholism, for example, and there were lots of every kind of of addiction. The uh, like St. Augustine is, is one of my favorite writers, classical writers, and he's writing, of course, two or three centuries after Jesus, but, but the situation isn't that different. Yeah, the, the, the Roman world was full of, of addiction, not just alcohol addiction, but uh, other kinds of addictions. For example, addictions to, to spectator sports, the, the sports in the Colosseum, and uh, addictions to money. And addictions to every kind of of um, weird kind of 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 cult that, that that came down the road. So now, I'm using the word addiction in a very broad sense. There, you you recognize, but but um, we can use it in the same way today, right? We have that we have that same spectrum of addictions now, whether we want to call them addictions or not. That's what they are. So things really haven't changed all that much since the time of St. Augustine. But in your book, you talk about, you mentioned how some cultures and civilizations, uh, the people didn't have addictions because they... Well, that's right. That's right. You know, it's, it's, it's not quite right to say things haven't changed since St. Augustine's time. What's, uh, what's happened is that they've changed and then they've changed back. So that... So that after the fall of the Roman Empire, we have a long period where, you know, addiction is really not a big issue. And when I say a long period, I mean a period of many centuries. Um, really? And we, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, early Middle Ages, uh, Dark Ages. Addiction is not something people talk about very much. They don't worry about it. And, and all the while, 
I'm talking, let's say, primarily about civilized people when I'm talking about the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, but all the while there are uncivilized people up in the hills, you know, the various tribal people, and, and of course tribal people in Africa and North America and so forth, and they don't talk about addiction much either. It's not much of a problem for them. Then in the modern age, addiction recurs as a, as a terrible problem, you know, an ep- epidemic problem. It really is. Um, but my thought is that the, the cause is, is not too dissimilar from the same cause that it, that it was in the Roman Empire. And so would you say most of us are addicted well, I would. I have learned that everybody has a story to tell about addiction. I mean, I, I love one of the things I like to do uh, as a retired guy <laughs> is I like to take the train. For example, my wife and I are going to take the train from Vancouver in Canada to um, Orlando, Florida, next week. This week, actually. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's going to give us four days. And, and on the train, I'm going to introduce myself, and I'm going to say, well, yeah, I work in, I'm a psychologist. I work in addiction. Everybody's going to tell me a story. And that's going to be either a story about themselves or a story about their husband or wife or their, their grandchildren. Or their children. Or their, grandf- or their grandfather. Yeah, their children. And, and they're going to have a, a serious story to tell me. They're going to walk they're going to want to talk to me about that i i know this because it it happens all the time so is everybody addicted well i suppose not quite but everybody you know everybody knows what it is everybody's had personal contact with it either you know if not with themselves directly then with someone in their family or someone they know well and then everyone wants to to talk about it well, based on your broad definition of addiction, I would say that we can all look at ourselves and our lives and think that we are addicted to some things, right? Today, more than ever, we're, a lot of us are addicted to our phones and our computers and the Internet and Facebook, um, not to mention, of course, the, the drugs and the alcohol and, you know, caffeine. And, you know, I, I don't know of one person who wouldn't say that they weren't totally dependent on something, even if it's caffeine. Well, of course, dependent and addiction are a little different. Um, I mean, you know, we're dependent on things, like I'm dependent on my shoes. I, I can't go outside without them, especially here in, in Canada. Um, but I'm not addicted to them. But but addiction is a, is a bigger thing than dependence, right? Addiction fills up your life. It means you, you care, you, you worry about it all the time. Mm. You're, you're always involved in it one way or another. And, and But still, I think you're right. You know, I think most people know about addiction firsthand. Now, that doesn't mean they're still addicted. Like, like most, lots of people go through a period of being addicted to one thing or another, and then they're over it. Um, this happens all the time. Um, so, so if you actually ask people, you know, you give them a, a long list of things they they could be addicted to. What more often than than people saying, "Well, I'm addicted to this and I'm addicted to that," they'll say, "Oh, I used to be addicted to this and that, but I I got over it." And of course, some people, many people, still are. But the but everybody, I'm just agreeing with you. Really, really, everybody kind of knows. Most people kind of know in their in their personal life what it is to be addicted. And if they don't know in their personal life, they they know someone nearby who who is or was. And addiction 
in your practice and what we're speaking of is really an addiction that affects people's lives, that's all-consuming. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, of course, there are degrees of it. You know, it's not necessarily all-consuming, but it's (laughs) most-consuming. Yeah, there are degrees of it. And and you know we we think of it, here's here's mistake number one that, that, that we make we we think of addiction in terms of extreme cases of drug addiction we say what is addiction well the immediate picture that comes to people's mind is a is a cocaine addict with a with a crack pipe or a or a heroin addict with a needle or a or a, an alcoholic you know sitting in the in the bar uh, but. And, 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 you know, the picture that comes to mind is that this person is a thief or they're beating their wife or they're, or they're beating their children if, uh, or they're doing something terrible uh, or they're a prostitute. Um, but those are just the, those are the sort of the, 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 the picture store, picture window pictures of, of addiction. Most addictions aren't really that spectacular at all. So, you know, guys are, are addicted to... Uh, to the TV and the and the sports, or or women are addicted to their their fashions and and all the you know the stuff that comes from the mall and and people in companies are addicted to to making tons and tons of of money even if it requires destroying other people or or destroying the environment in the process. Um, yeah, there, there, there's that spectrum of addiction. So what's the difference between those civilizations or cultures where people weren't addicted compared to what we've got today? Well, the, I'll give you the, 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 the textbook illustration, which I think tells the story. The textbook illustration is uh, that I use in my textbook uh, is... Um, the native people from right around here where I live in, in, in British Columbia, Canada, and these were people who were, you know, their, their tribal life is really well known before they were conquered and settled by, by white guys because they were, it was relatively late. It wasn't really until the 19th century that, that most of them were, were conquered and settled. Um, and so we know a lot about them. There were anthropologists already who were here studying them, when, you know, in the wild. So we know a lot about these people. And what we know is that they had highly integrated societies. They were, um, you know, everybody lived in a tribe where they knew the other people, and they they took care of the other people. They did um, every, you know, it wasn't just that you knew your neighbors. Is that your grandfather knew your neighbor's grandfather's, and your neighbor's your grandfather's grandfather knew your neighbor's grandfather's grandfather? Uh, like every, there was, the, the, the level of connection was huge, and um, these people um, really didn't have addiction. Like you know, you can search for it in the anthropology records, or you can search for it in the legends, or you can search for it today, as I do, going around talking to elders and say, well, you know, what were your what were your grandparents addicted to? And 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 they they scratch their head and they say, well, you know, I can't think of anything. <laughs> they say, give me some time, maybe I can think of it. Um, but they weren't addicted to anything. Now, uh, I, I shouldn't, I don't want to give the wrong impression here. These were not noble savages. These were not perfect people. They had all kinds of problems. And they did have insanity from time to time, and they had murder from time to time, and they had war, and they had slavery. 
and they tortured their enemies sometimes. These were not perfect people. But they were highly socially integrated people. And their and their their integration was not just one with the other, but it was people with the land. So they you know, they're connected not just to their grandfathers and their grandfather's grandfathers and their neighbor's grandfather's grandfather, but they're also connected to the the, the plants and the animals in, a, in an incredible kind of way. Now, now what happens? You, you come along. We, we, we white guys came along, and we put these people in little reserves. And, and um, now we say, okay, you have enough food, and you've got a house, and you must be happy now because we're sending your children to school and teaching you English and, and Christianity and all that stuff. And the people said, well, yeah, we're... We must be happy, but the addiction rate goes from essentially zero to essentially 100%. And, and you can still find um, native villages in my province where I live, British Columbia, where the addiction rate approximates 100%. In other words, everyone is either an alcoholic or a drug addict or they're on the wagon. And as you know, you know to be on the wagon doesn't mean you're over it. It just means you're in recovery. So there's still so it's it's approximately a hundred percent addiction. Now now what happened? What happened is you take a, a, a full fledged culture where people have a place, they have a meaning, and they have an identity, and they have a future, and they have a past, and you fragment it. So they've got what they've got is the the, the welfare check comes on Wednesday, and the uh, you know the, the 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 school opens from September to. April and and all the rest of it. They've got they've got a schedule, but they don't have that that sense of belonging and being fully involved in in their life. And and what happens is that addiction provides a substitute for having a full social, intellectual, spiritual, historical life. Addiction is a substitute. So so if you don't really have a life, what can you do? You can go down to the bar and you can. Uh, get drunk with the guys and, you know, can tell the stories about the good old days and tell a bunch of lies about how much you used to beat up everybody and catch all the the, the moose or the salmon or whatever it happens to be. And, and uh, you know, the other guys will tell a bunch of lies and you'll all have a great time and drink up all your money and go home and, you know, terrorize your wife because you feel so guilty because you've drunk up all the money. Um, the, but what I'm talking here is that the function of addiction, and this, this, again, this is another error that we make all the time. Addiction has a function. People are addicted because it serves to fill that void, right? It fills the hole. So now they've got a, they've got a, a, a life, right? It's the life for the guys down at the bar telling all those lies, and nobody calls each other's lies because they don't want their, their own lies to be called. So they just make up a lot of bullshit, really, and they're, and they're passing it back and forth as if this is a culture and it's a, it's a substitute for a culture. But uh, it's an addiction, and they can't stop it because they don't have an alternative. If they had a, a real life to live, well, they, of course they would live it. Anyone would rather live a real life than a, a phony life, but that's the nature of addiction, I believe. How is that philosophy or theory or you know I, I don't your idea of addiction different from the american idea of addiction well of course there are many american ideas i, I would 
wouldn't want to stereotype Americans. But the, the traditional or the um, most well known. I know there's there are those who believe addiction to drugs is based on a, a chemical um, sure. deficiency in the brain or diet. Exactly. And there are those that say it's you know a spiritual issue or you know once you try cocaine you're going to be addicted or crack or you know whatever. Right. There's an official American view, and that is the view of the National Institute of Drug Abuse, which is which is advertised everywhere, and it's the basis of the most of what gets said on talk shows and in the newspaper and so forth. This is the official American view, is that drugs flip a switch in a person's brain so that the person has to take that drug in the future, and they'll do anything to get it. They've, they've essentially lost their... Their control. They 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 become basically a drug zombie that 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 has to have that drug in their brain and and they do anything to get it. Um, now I think that official point of view is absolutely outdated and wrong. Um, and I could I could go on and on and I, I mean I know you don't have time to hear me give a six hour lecture on why it's wrong, but I have written this big fat book about why it's wrong which you've mentioned, it's called the globalization of addiction. Um, but the, I think the important thing is that um, it just gets you nowhere. That idea is, is really what's behind all the treatment services um, and so forth that, 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 are, that are failing to control the addiction problem. We have an official theory which isn't isn't helping us because the problem is just getting the flood i like to say is getting wider and deeper it's getting deeper in the sense that there's more and more people but it's getting wider in the sense that there's more and more things that people are getting addicted to and drugs and alcohol are really just a, a corner of it not a huge corner of it just a corner of it so so there's that point of view that's the official point of view i think it's wrong and then if you, if you like, we can look at some of the other points of view as well. But I, I think some of them are helpful and some of them are less helpful. But the, the official point of view, I think, is, in my opinion, just wrong and not worth paying much attention to anymore. Mm-hmm. And so your, this theory of addiction uh, or this position on addiction does serve, from a financial perspective, I believe the whole treatment culture, the whole treatment business, and it keeps the addict in a victim state. It keeps the well. It makes the addict into a zombie because we say that we this addict has had a flip, a switch flipped in their brain, and they long, no longer have self control. What's that? That's a zombie. Um, and it is the basis of a huge. Um, business. I mean, you mentioned the the astounding number, fifty one billion dollars. Huge. Uh, at, in the introduction to your to the show here, well, sure. One year. It's, this isn't this isn't what has been sent. Uh, you know, no, I know. This is one year. The the amount of money that's involved in in that idea, what the idea that I call the official view, which I would say includes enforcing the war on drugs because the problem is basically comes from drugs and it includes all kinds of treatment agencies based on that idea. Yeah, the 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 amount of money there is astounding and 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 really 
funny in, in a sense. I mean, historians are going to look back on it and say, what? What happened? And, and uh, you know, I think the kind of rhetoric that you used at the start of your show makes total sense. You know, uh, is the government helping? Well, no, it isn't. Um, and um, and I, would, I would further that by saying, when does the government really help? We, we are going to take a quick break, um, but want to mention um, to our audience that if you are an addict or know an addict, our guest today, Dr. Bruce Alexander, is a specialist in addiction. He's got a totally different way of, of looking at addiction and treating it, and you do not want to miss what he's got to say. Living Wealthy Radio, Teresa Kuhn, be right back. Living Wealthy Radio. Visit Teresa's team online at livingwealthyradio.com, 1-800-382-0830 now. Call 1-800-382-0830. Welcome back, Austin, to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Do you think the government is solving the issue of addiction in our country with the war on drugs, with its treatment philosophies? If you're just now joining us, we are speaking with author and addiction psychologist, Dr. Bruce Alexander, about the proper way, in his opinion, to view addiction as a flaw of our society rather than merely a chemical problem or individual character flaw. Doctor, before the break, we were talking about uh, addiction zombies, your, your opinion on how the American way of treating addiction turns addicts into zombies where really they've got no control. And the whole um, philosophy and process and treatment for addiction is really not helping. And we're spending, I mean, uh, last year, $51 billion on the treatment, not to mention the whole legal system and the cost on society and the individual costs that these addiction um, labels um way on 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 the family and businesses what is your solution to this whole issue well i have to say first that um we have to we have before we can really talk about the solution we have to talk about how it came about and 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 just briefly we need to face the fact that addiction has been a problem that's been increasing for at least two centuries and the history of this is, is really well known. It's probably known, known best in terms of statistics on alcoholism and alcohol consumption. But for at least two centuries, we've been going up and up and up towards the levels which are comparable to those in the Roman Empire, you know, very long time ago. Um, and, we, and we know what has happened to society in those same centuries. It's, it's something we sometimes call the Industrial Revolution, but it's, it's more than that. Uh, what's happened is, is there, there's been a whole um, technical, industrial, scientific shift away from the kinds of things which made people whole in their more integrated cultures in the past. And once that starts happening on a social level, you get mass dislocation. That is, I don't mean that people have to move. I mean, mass separation of people from, from the, the connections with other people and with their, 
nature and with their spiritual traditions that that keeps them from being addicted and you, and you, and you've got this hole in in human beings which has to be filled now um you say to me but you know quite logically well okay we got that problem what are we going to do about it and and the answer the first part of the answer has to be well you know we're not we're not going to solve it overnight this is a problem that took generations to make and it will take generations to to unmake and so you know, I know if a person is sitting there and they're and they're <laughs> suffering from a, an addiction acutely right now, they don't want to hear about generations. But we have to start there. We have to say, well, you know, for really we're gonna we're gonna do something about this problem when we we get away from the the insanity of the the the, the world we've created. Um, and people can phrase that insanity in various ways, and here I, I hesitate to phrase it in my own ways because I know I could phrase it in a way which would offend the Republicans, and I could phrase it in a way which offends the Democrats, and I could phrase it in a way which offends the Christians, and in a way which offends the atheists. But don't don't worry about offending anyone on this show. It's okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> We're always offending somebody, right? What is your opinion? What do you What do you think? Well, the, the thing that we we know is that is that you know society's broken down. It's it's no damn good. We 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 got you know divorce, and we got we got kids running around that, that don't know where they're what they're doing, and we've got we've got all, all kinds of, of huge problems. We got a we got a society in crisis, and and we got people who are you know seeking out addictions as a way of of dealing with it. So we got what we got to do is 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 get healthy. We've got to we've got to re- retrieve. A valid and and um, substantial integrated kind of society, and and how are we going to do that? Well, um, <laughs> we're going to do it by you know by doing what we're doing by talking about these problems and 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 um, and and opening our eyes to 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 what's killing us. Now, what are we going to do if we're just a single person, and we're sitting here facing the fact that, that I'm I'm ruining my family, I'm ruining my life. Um, right, absolutely. And or, or yeah. you're a mother or a father, and and you're suffering yeah. because your children or your child is addicted, or your spouse is addicted. Yeah. And yeah. so we got to look at it on that individual level as well. And if we look at it on the individual level, the first thing we have to do is is look at the. The history. Look beyond the, the the nonsense which is coming out on the official view of addiction, but look at the history of of actual addiction. And the first thing we'll see is that people get over addiction all the time. It is not a chronic relapsing disease which can't be cured. Is it? It is in fact a problem. Uh, you know, a, a, a way of acting that gets people in terrible trouble and could kill them. But most people get over it. And there's, if you people want to read about this, there's a they just go Google natural recovery because there's a huge literature on people who naturally recover from addiction, usually without treatment. Um, and of course, there are really good um, treatment um, facilities as well. There are some which aren't so good, but they're they're really good ones. And 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 really, I I think that that you have to look at the self help groups, the various self help groups. I mean, they all start with AA, of course, but they you know there there are lots of good self help groups. And and what they're doing is they're helping people to recover pretty naturally by you know getting together with other people who have similar problems and talking about them. And and and, and that's gonna 
that's going to help too. But the main message is, if a person is addicted, it is not a incurable disease at all. It's not a brain disease. It is just a problem you got to solve, or, or or you're going to lose everything. Um, and and millions of people have solved it. And you need you need help in the sense that you need your friends, you need your your family, the people in your family you, you trust. Um, you know, to get together and say, look, you know, I gotta gotta work this thing out, and 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 that will work. Now, it won't solve the larger problem, the social problem. And and I think it's really important for people who are working out the problem of recovering to also solve the social problem. In fact, I, I have a, a theory, and, and maybe this is wrong, and now I, I guess I will offend people, but I have, a, I have a theory that something really is not quite complete about Alcoholics Anonymous and the other 12-step groups, sorry, 12-step groups, and the, the something that's not complete is that people really, you know, think they're going to be addicted forever. In other words, what does the alcoholic do in AA? Well, they stand up and say, well, hi, I'm Bruce, I'm an addict, or I'm a, an alcoholic, meaning that they, they expect to be that forever. Well, they don't have to be that forever. And I think part of the way in which we're going to get out of, of being in recovery forever is to recognize that the problem is just not my problem. You know, I can't just solve it by understanding myself better and getting over my hurts and, and, and getting over my guilt and stuff like There's more to it than that. There's a whole social aspect of it. And I think we have to get together and work not just on individual recovery, but on um, recovering society. I'm, I'm going to a conference in Florida um, on my train trip um, next week. And uh, the conference is called Healing Our World, Healing Ourselves. And the idea is that, you know, we've we, we got to heal the world because we're going we're gonna to wreck it. And we've got to heal ourselves. And really those two processes are, are, inter, are interlocked. We can't um, heal ourselves really unless we pay attention to the larger problems which are devastating our society. And we can't heal our society unless we play, pay attention to our role in it as addicted people. And by, when I say as addicted people, I don't mean just the people who are, you know, so addicted that they, they're destroying their family and stuff. I mean the people who are just a little bit addicted, the people who are just buying too much mall junk and, and you know, eating too much and, and gambling more than's good for them and all that. You know, all of that contributes to a society which is destroying itself. And so I think we have to approach it both on an individual level and on a social level, and we can. I mean, the, the good news is lots of people are doing this. Um, and this conference in Florida, I think, is, is you know, is one of, the, one of the leading events, but there are lots of really good people. I, I could mention American um, scholars who are really good in this area, like Mary Pfeiffer is one, and Joanna Macy is one. And um, you could Google these names, and you would find people who are who are taking this approach. 
And I've had guests on these shows, uh, on my show, that um, have talked about natural ways of healing addiction, and with you know the the chemical addiction with supplements and changing diets and being more integrated with the family and more connected. Um, sure. But but to take the you know um, contrary position for a moment, our society is becoming more compartmentalized. I believe not less with technology, people are going more inside, more disconnected from each other, even though there's, you know, Facebook and um, all these social media, (laughs) you know, we're becoming more and more isolated, especially our kids, right? Wouldn't that lend itself to a future that has even more addiction, if that's possible? Well, again, you know, you started by talking about the Roman Empire, way back at the beginning of this, and and you have to face the fact that, that sometimes empires are wrong, and sometimes they have to change or die. Um, I think we're in a change or die position right now. Mm. And, you know, we can destroy our empire as much as the Romans destroyed theirs, and we may, but, you know, we don't have to and there's a lot of pretty smart people around who see that that our lives have got to change in substantial ways. You know, we cannot continue just getting more and more lost in social media or or video games or pornography on the net or all that junk. Um, we can't do that, and we can't let our children do it. And if we do, we're you know we're going to be in the history books along with the Roman Empire as a place where there was lots of there was lots of addiction, and, and then it just all ended because nobody was worth anything anymore. Is there a recipe to raising children that are not addicts? Yeah, uh, yes. The recipe is just be a pretty good parent. You don't have to be a, a perfect parent or even a super good parent. you just got to be an ordinary parent. In other words, you've got to be there for them. You've got to care about what they're doing, and you've got to... You've gotta, Tell them your values and make sure they understand why they're your values. You've got to not be afraid to say, well, you know, you have to do this because people like us do this. Um, you, you have to, you've got, just got to be a, an average parent. That's the, that's the recipe. People go wrong on both directions, of course. You know, some people are far less than average parents, but some people try to be so much more than average parents that they create a whole other set of problems. But I think most parents would think, would ask themselves, am I an average parent at least? And they'd answer, yes, absolutely, right? But we have so many of our kids as addicts. I, I remember my son, since, you know, he could talk, right? I sat him down and I said, look, here you are. Here's, here's your family tree. On my side of the tree, tons of addicts. On your father's side of the tree, tons of addicts. You've got a choice, right? You've got a choice yep. one day in life. You can choose not to be an addict. And I pray that he, you know, doesn't become an addict because I've seen the the price that our okay. family members have paid as okay. addicts. So, yeah, you, you, you know all about this. I, I understand um, because you've, you, you've got that kind of a family history, sure. You're right, but it, but 
the only thing I would I would argue with, and I think it's important, is the word choice. It isn't a simple choice. Um, in other words, if you if you don't have a a life that's going for you, you, it's true you have a choice not to be addicted. But the alternative is probably to be depressed or suicidal or or you know something worse. Um, you know because to have an empty life is is toxic, and and addiction will get you out of it at least in a in a maybe in an inadequate way in a partial way and and you'll pay the price in the long run but it will get you out of it today it fills a void pardon you're saying it fills a void it fills the void exactly and so so if you say to somebody who's really and this happens all the time you know because I talk to addicted people all the time and they say well you know okay I, you know if I I can stop taking heroin but then what am I going to do you know I've got basically uh, void. Well, void is the polite term for what they what they're going right. to say. But they're, what am I going to do about that? Um, because because I don't want to go back to that life. I'd rather I'd rather be a junkie and take the take the the punishment. So you could say they have a choice, but it's not an easy choice. And and the role of a parent is to make it an easy choice. In other words, to to help children find out what kind of life they can put together, even though they live in a fragmented, dislocated culture, they've got to find something that's going to work for them satisfactorily, and every child is, you know, this I see in my own kids as they've grown up, and it, all, all kinds of children, every child has got to pick up scraps and bits and, and fabricate a life which is worth living in and which is worthy of sobriety. And that ain't easy, but they've got to do that, and the parents have got to help. And that's when I say being an average parent, that's that's what I mean. You you've got to help them put that together so that so that when they come to make the choice, the choice is really easy. You know, if they've got a got a good life going, well, they're not even going to be tempted to waste it on on any kind of junk, whether it's heroin or money or pornography or whatever. You know they're not going to throw it away. Why? Nobody throws away a good life because that's what we're. That's why we're here, is to uh, live those kind of good lives. Well, so, uh, I. But we've all met people who, from the outside looking in, look like they've got a great life, from children to adults to, you know, our, our politicians and leaders and religious leaders. We look at you know the stupid stuff they do and the path they choose and the choices they make we say why why would they do that when yeah so people are making these dumb choices all the time even though they appear to have great lives why that's that's why everybody should have the experience of being a psychologist really because you know i sit in my office at the university and people come in the door and they're they're people who you know everybody thinks it's all going fine for them and they sit down and they start to cry and they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm on the verge of suicide. Mm. And it isn't fine for them. No, I'm not talking, they're not necessarily addicted at all. They're just people who everybody thinks it's fine and it isn't because, because it's so easy to fake it. If you've got a nice house and, you know, lots of stuff from the mall and, and um, you're healthy, it's, it's easy to fake it. But to 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 really live, you know, is 
is more complex than that, as you know. I mean, you know that as well as I do. You know, you've got to you've got to have connections with with people which are profound and and deep, and connections with nature, and connections with God, um, connections with your country. For example, I mean, let's take the country one. You know, what is it like to 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 have for a country something which is, you know, all screwed up and is, is out declaring war on the whole world and, 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 you know, has become an object of ridicule outside of itself. What is it like to have that for a country? Can you be happy? Or do, or do you have to do something about a country like that and, and, um, and, and get it straightened out? And, and what is it like to, you know, to, what kind of relationship can you have with nature when, you know, nature, we, when we're facing, you know, environmental catastrophes on every side of every sort, mm-hmm. that, and, and they're man-made, and we know it. Mm-hmm. And, and what kind of a relationship do you have with your family when you, even though you, everyone thinks it's all going fine, but, but really you're all working so hard you don't have any time to really have a, have a part in each other's lives or, you know, any depth in your relationship. So, so I think those people that we think make really stupid choices, it's partly because we don't understand the choices they're making fully. You know, we don't understand what's, what's going on with them. And then we look at them and say, oh, well, everything is fine. And then they started taking cocaine. Well, Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they were disconnected. And I and I agree with you. Connection is, is, you know, so many of us are walking around disconnected. We have just yeah. a couple more minutes. I want to get your opinion on something uh, very briefly. As you know, many states here in the United States um, have reformed or are relaxing regulations regarding the use of recreational and medicinal marijuana. What are your thoughts on this, briefly? Well, when... When, when it comes time to vote, I'm going to vote for legalizing marijuana in my province here, but I'm not going to expect that that's going to solve our problems. I think it's I think it's probably a good thing to do because we filled up the jails with with people who just, you know they really didn't do anything wrong. It's crazy, it's insane, but with the addiction problem is going to remain uh, long after we have a, a sane drug policy. It's a much deeper problem than that. Mm-hmm. So you you believe our drug policy here is absolutely insane. Oh, well, I mean, every, yeah, everyone knows that, right? <laughs> well, no, not everybody. I, I happen to agree with you. It is insane. Um, and it's, I think money is behind it. Money and power is certainly behind it. Money, power, oh, control. So um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's idiotic. It, it really does not serve people at all. Um, and it's very arbitrary, right? Um, but, yeah. Doctor, I appreciate you coming on today and um, sharing with us your perspective. Um, if we're to bottom line the conversation, uh, we need to be more connected with God, nature, each other, our families, uh, and our um, countries. Our countries, absolutely. Um, great message. We will post your information. May I information. say this? Oh, sure. May I say this? Absolutely. Uh, please, if people want to talk some more about this, go to my website, which is globalizationofaddiction.ca. Globalizationofaddiction.ca. And we will have the link also on our livingwealthyradio.com website. And we will also link your book. Doctor, thank you again for coming on today. Appreciate thank you, your Teresa. Perspective. My pleasure.
and uh, God bless. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you're a business owner who wants to sell your successful company, then you need to pay careful attention to what I'm about to tell you. Selling a business in today's crazy-making economy is not for the faint of heart. A successful sale requires courage, resolve, and a big pair of um, free selling tools. Get your free risk analysis tool and special report today from the only company that can help you sell your business in 49 days or less and pay zero taxes. Go to www.deltabusinessservices.com forward slash exit coach to download yours today. That's www.deltabusinessservices.com or call us at 210-369-4161. Tell them the guy with the sexy voice sent you.